and they leave because they, they don't feel they're getting that respect and there isn't that communication. They're just told that's what you need to do and away you go and do it and can you show up at eight o'clock. It's, there's so many things that are broken here in this system. It's almost like the hamster on the wheel. And the wheel keeps turning, but nobody's getting off. Well, they are getting off now because they're burnt out. Why are they burnt out? We need to go back to the root cause. And that is the very first step. How do we change what's happening? Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast, the podcast that you turn to for practical, useful, and actionable information about the nursing home industry. We are focusing today on CNA staffing and how CNAs choose to work where they work and how you may be able to help with your facility's staffing uh, problem or crisis that it really is. Today, we are bringing on to the Nursing Home Podcast, Ashling Dalton Kelly, who has a CNA school. She is she has her own CNA school. She is the CEO of Ashling Companion Home Care. So she has a home care company, an Ashling Care Academy based in the Chicago area. So Ashling, welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast. Okay, well, I'm glad that you took some time to be with us today and to come and share a little bit of your experience with us. I want to jump right in here. You have a nursing home school. There are so many operators from the quality recruit standpoint. You know, I know from our clients, from other operators in the industry, this is such a big, huge pain point, right? Getting CNAs. And everyone says, oh, go to a CNA school and, you know, go find your local CNA schools. I've been told that as an operator, and we try to work with our clients to do that. Is do CNAs really exist that are currently being groomed? And how do I, as an operator, go about finding, hiring, and retaining those CNAs? Well, you are right. A lot of people do genuinely look for CNA schools and then they ask for the opportunity to come in and present to the class. Years back, there was a lot more CNAs, as you know, than there is now, but today the game has changed. And today we actually have to make CNAs because a lot of CNAs are not literally looking to come into this arena. So unfortunately, we have to dig deeper and go to the root cause, which is why we have to make being a CNA a professional career path and not just a job. And we have to educate the public. And that's the challenge right now. Okay, so I know that this is what you do and that you have a CNA school where you do just that. But actually, if, I, if I'm an operator, I, I'm asking just like to zoom out globally, let's say. So if someone has nursing homes, whether it's in the Chicago area where you are or New York area, and I heard that, that there might be some cities in between, I have not verified that. If they want to go and find the CNAs, right, that they're desperate to fill the shifts and they want to find CNA schools. So 
is is it first of all do they exist and if they exist do you do you have a crop of cnas that are ready and actually looking for work and i'll just add one more thing before i let you respond there are so you know nursing homes go and they interview and they schedule and they, and they do orientation for and there's so many steps where cnas can fall out and do fall out and the percentage of the cnas that end up actually picking up shifts is so much is, is so much less and again, i don't have any scientific numbers here yet but the overwhelming majority don't make it to the finish line. So if we can figure out a way to find to find where the CNAs are hiding, the ones that actually want to work, and they're not just playing the unemployment game, that would be very helpful. So does it exist generally and, and then specifically in your academy? Yes. So it does exist that if you partner with a CNA school, that absolutely you'll have access to the classes. And currently right now, we have a class going through and we do have young ladies that are willing to get job opportunities from nursing homes and other community mm -hmm. members here. So yes, we have CNAs who are willing to go to work and want to go to work when they complete the program. Okay. So, okay. So if I'm an operator and I find my, my local, so it, it sounds interesting because on the one hand, we have so many people who are applying for CNA positions only to keep their unemployment money coming and they really have no intention of working or they show up for a week and then they stop showing up. And again, it, it's, it's a different market now than it, than it was uh, just a few months ago or for sure pre-COVID. But then you have these other CNAs that they're going and getting properly trained. Are there really so many of them? I guess that's really what I'm driving at. Well, I think based on what we've all come through, I think to be honest with you, it's just, just a, a disengagement or a fear or just a lack of interest right now because it's almost like everybody has to be kind of jump-started to get back on the reality track of what life is and we all have to be able to pay our bills. But I think to to give a broader scope to what you're asking me, I think again that we need to kind of bring in this CNA piece of the possibility of that career path not when they're finished school, but actually as they're coming through high school and presented as a professional career path with lots of opportunities. That's just the starting point. And if you want to start and, and become a CNA and stay being a CNA, you can be paid handsomely for it if you have other skill sets as well. And you certainly can take the first step and then move on to another path in the healthcare realm. Doesn't mean you have to be a nurse. Okay, so this is a good point. Because if someone's going to be a CNA just for today and not seeing the future, so then the question really is, why should I become a CNA today? What's the point? I could work minimum wage at another job. I can work in Target. I can work in Walmart. I can work in Dunkin' Donuts, get paid the same. And unfortunately, in many cases, I could get paid more. I don't have to worry about, you know, hurting a resident. I don't have to worry about regulatory compliance. And I point, you know, I or, and this is where you find the iPads as opposed to, you know, Mary Lou hasn't been changed in eight hours and I was getting a bed sore. So it's a, it's a whole different dynamic. However, and it, having said that, some people genuinely care for others and they just want to give back in this very personal way. And that's great. Without painting the picture that you just did as a career path, I'm trying to remember now in another episode, somebody said, oh, I remember who it was. No, okay. Again, I forgot her name. Uh, but someone said that one of the biggest challenges in the nursing home industry today is that we we don't help our our employees chart a career path for themselves. And we just look at it as a very transa transactional relationship where I need shift, you need money, you know, you can fill the shift, so let's go, let's do it. Right. And that, that doesn't work long term. That, that creates a disengaged uh, 
disloyal workforce and not because they're bad and not because um, not because any other not because they don't want to work just because there's no relationship right. no relationship why should i work for you i work for this for the place down the block but if we talk about what you just said and maybe you can expand on that a little bit yeah. if you look at it as a stepping stone in a career path so this is not just a cna today so that you could make minimum wage mm -hmm. there, there are opportunities forward obviously nursing but what else um, what other ways go ahead it was actually prita machada was the the lady or preachy machada was the lady because i yes. listened to her podcast and i listened to matt sutherland's and i also listened to the other lady that came on after that and i was looking for all the common denominators knowing i was coming on here today and it all leads back to what we're talking about that first of all i think in in my opinion you know, CNA is based on the 21 basic skills that, that any young lady or gentleman is going to have to perform underneath her or his duty. But we, I think we need to do a better job in really explaining what the job entails. Because as you said, if you can go to McDonald's and flip a hamburger for $15 with no stress, why would you do that versus trying to lift a 150-pound man who's in a diaper and is soiled and and, and you're all alone? So so they're, they're two completely different realms. So First of all, I would say to any young people that are that are listening today that want to come into healthcare, you need to understand that healthcare is hard. It's it's not easy. And being a CNA is not easy either. So I think to educate yourself before you even jump so quickly in to this realm to understand that this is the the boots on the ground hard work and it is the first stepping stone. And if you if you don't really understand this, um, you're not going to be a very good nurse, even if you did go on to be a nurse, because the truth is, we all know, Shmel, that mm -hmm. even as people get sicker and sicker in the, in the hospital, and I'll and allude to, we'll say, somebody who has a form of dementia, as a CNA, you need to see that person and not just perform the skill set or the task that you've been given. So there's a huge disconnect educational-wise from the CNA candidate coming in and then there's mm -hmm. a huge disconnect of the fact that it is not just a job it is the beginning of a beautiful career path if that's what you want and there are many people who do it just because they love helping people i mean we hire for heart we're not hiring for a skill set because we can teach anybody the skill but you got to have the heart first yeah and if you don't have the heart when the going gets tough and you're working short and yeah, and a resident, you know, as unfortunately as we age, the filters disappear. Yes. And I've heard some really horrific things being shared by residents to me, to staff members, to each other. And it can it can be really challenging. And it takes someone with a very high emotional intelligence, a very high emotional IQ to be able to separate the incident or the words or the actions from the individual and say, this is an individual who has led a successful career doesn't have to be a professional career, but had a family, was part of a community, was was a beautiful human being, mm -hmm. and now is unfortunately requires the assistance of other people. And I have the ability to be able to give in such a selfless way. Mm -hmm. I'll even throw in something Jewish that I don't usually do on the podcast. But based on Jewish tradition, the highest level of giving is giving to someone who is already deceased. No, I don't, that doesn't. It's not in a morbid way because that's called a true giving, because you'll never get anything back. This is something you're only giving because you want to give. I would say that if that's the highest, then this may be the second to highest level yes. because these are people who are not going to give back. These are people, again, not everybody. You know, you have the short-term rehab and you have people yes. who, you know who are moving out. But even then, in their current situation, anyone who's a resident in a nursing home that requires 
the inpatient level of care, you're, you're really doing it not because you want to score any points with that person. You're doing it because you care. And if you don't care, then like you said, when the going gets tough, then the tough won't get going if, mm-hmm. if you don't really have heart. But I want to know like this, if I'm an ambitious CNA, so I want, to, I, I, do, I do have the care inside of me. Um, and I'm oversimplifying this, obviously, right. uh, but, but, and I'm passionate about this. And mm-hmm. this is something that makes sense to me. And this is a place where I want to be. And I'm choosing this over McDonald's. I'm choosing, the, choosing this over Target or over any other entry-level position. Right. But I don't want to be a CNA right now. Maybe I'm in my 20s or 30s and I could afford to make whatever I'm making. And unfortunately, many of them have double jobs and triple jobs and then working ridiculous hours. Right now, that works for my lifestyle. But I want this to be a path beyond this financially it's right. important to me sure so other th- so first of all what what's the direct line from here to being a nurse and and what are the what, what's the no let me ask you more specifically in your experience your graduates where have they ended up so a lot of the graduates who come through here want to be a cna and they just want to be a cna and and for i'm gonna i'm gonna break this up into let's say the home care piece and then i'm gonna break it up into those that actually want to go on so we'll take for example because i can only speak to we'll say our academy that it isn't just a school for a cna we want you to start here we want you to start first in home care we want to mentor you to jump into a cna program to get yourself a higher skill set because home care is changing too Mm-hmm. And then from there, we want you to become a DCP, which is a dementia care practitioner, because obviously there's a lot of dementia out there and you need to be able to learn all of that skill set. Then, as you had alluded to earlier, people die. Not everybody can work in hospice. Not everybody wants to. But we want to have a, a doula certification course so that if you decide as a CNA that you actually want to stay in home care, then we want to set you up for success. And if if you called me for care for your mom and you were willing to pay for this high level of care, then I'm going to charge that higher rate for your mom. But I'm also going to pay the caregiver more than beyond what she would get as a CNA because she has two other levels of skill set. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's the home care piece. So it's very much a career path for them if they want to stay in home care. And then beyond that, I mean, I had a meeting this week with a local college that has three campuses here that want to partner with us and other CNA schools for resources because they want to encourage the CNAs to go on to become, let's say, an ultrasound technician, a radiologist technician. They were starting PCPs, which is patient care tech. They're very much needed in all the hospitals. So they're looking to bring other programs as well so that a CNA can start and then she or he can pick what path they want. Now, if they want to become an RN, they absolutely have to be a CNA first, and then they mm-hmm. go through that program or while they're going through that program. And then we all know as a nurse, you can go from there on to being whatever beyond that. You can go mm-hmm. on to be a doctor if you want. So there's yeah. lots of steps if if they they kind of have the vision, and that's a breakdown in a lack of education from everybody's point of view that they actually don't necessarily always have a plan. And without a plan, there's no step forward. You got to have vision for yourself and where you want to end up. So you actually got to see the end result first and then start at the bottom and work your way up. Okay. I appreciate that very full answer. I want to bring one comment here onto, onto the screen. Let's see if this works and it's not working for some reason. Oh, there. Okay. That's not the one. Oh yeah. That is one. Okay. Whoops. Sorry about that. It was just a delay. So let's wait there for a second, but I want to bring in, here, it's great that many are interested in becoming CNAs. Thank you 
Carl for this question. However, the CNS today have very poor work ethic. The instructors need teaching. They need to teach the basic skills as it was back in the 90s. Having said that, I think the educational institutions who are providing the course need to start doing an interview process to weed out those who don't have the heart out. Basically, we two things, right? The basic professional norms that used to exist, you know, we need to deal with that. And then also weeding out those who don't care. I want to add something else. I'm going to add something else to this. We, we need to be very open, cognizant, aware uh, that there is a change that has existed in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And the, it's true you want the work ethic of the 90s, but it's not the 90s. And the world has changed and the world is not going back. And there's a reason why there are a lot of, you know, Uber for staffing type of companies that are taking off. Uber itself is taking off as in, not just as people, as clients, but drivers. And that, that type of work environment, remote working is very exciting for a lot of people. People want in general, I'm talking about society being very, very general now, but society as a whole wants freedom, flexibility, lack of pre, uh, predictability. They, they want to be able to go and come as they please. And it's not just as some of the older folks look at it as a bunch of irresponsible people who don't want to take, make any serious life commitments and they don't want to be attached to anything. Maybe there's a portion of that, but there are a lot of good, well-meaning people that have so much to offer and bring to the table. Yes. They're not being recognized and catered to in a way that they would be really successful. So for example, many for sure nurses uh, they prefer working for agencies over nursing homes, not just because of the rate, but a lot of them don't want to say that I am the, you know, the three to eleven nurse. I work Tuesday, you know, every other Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, every other weekend. That's my shift. I've been doing it for twenty years, and I want to do this until I become a resident, right? right. And and yeah, maybe twenty years ago, even ten years ago, that would be ideal. It's stable. It's the same. I have a paycheck I can rely on. Today's nurse, today's CNA, and really, it's broader than this. They want to be able to say, I want to work now like Uber. I want to work now. I turn on my phone, go into my car. Boom, I started. I don't want, I just shut it off and go and, you know, I said, I'm not working. So how can operators, and, and part of it is, so operators get frustrated, right? And they look at it like, hey, what's going on? Why does no one want to work for me? And, and the workforce gets frustrated because no one's catering to my needs. So I guess in your experience or your opinion based on working with so many CNAs and placing them within your company and within other companies, is there something that operators can do today to cater towards this need while still being able to meet the needs and demands of their current workforce and their residents? Yes, and the answer is in one very simple word, it's communication. And that's where everything starts and dies. So you absolutely have to understand what is the caregiver looking for? So again, what's your end point? Where do you want to go? And that the caregiver has to to Carl's point in that interview, and if they don't ask us, we ask them, where do you want to be in two years? Where do you want to be in five years? And if they say, I want to be a CNA and they say nothing else, then we have to hear that they said they're quite happy just being a CNA. Now to talk about the flexibility portion, that comes back to communication as well. But you know, and I know that the generation that we're serving now, you have to be realistic. They have expectations and there are professional roles and responsibilities that a CNA will have to follow However, if she or he only wants to work two days a week, if you communicate that to your employer up front, then we can make that happen if it's communicated up front. So it boils down to communication. So if, you, if, if you're meeting a CNA and a CNA says, I don't want to commit to shifts, mm -hmm. you know, 
you go through the whole staffing, the whole recruitment process, right. and you're great. The person signed. Everyone's excited. Okay, mm-hmm. now here's our schedule. We're waiting finally to take this CNA, take this nurse and plug them into a shift. And now we don't have to worry Tuesdays, 3 to 11, that nobody's showing up. Right. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up PRN. Oh, you know, our per diem, you have to pick up whatever minimum. Fine, I'll do that. Yeah. And either they do or they Instead of viewing that as a failed opportunity, mm-hmm. like I, I think it's very interesting what you're saying right now is that through proper communication, we can actually make that work. Don't hear that as a no. Don't hear that as I just wanted this as a backup plan. Understand that they really do want to work, but they also really do want to work on their own schedule. Now, I who might be listening and saying, oh, yeah, I call those PRNs every single time there's an open shift. They never pick up. They never pick up the phone. They never pick up the shift, and it doesn't happen. So maybe those people are the people who don't really want to work. But right. if we find someone who genuinely wants a different type of schedule that can fit with the facility's workflow, then you know, let's be a little flexible with this. Right. And you can't like fit everybody into the one box. There are folks who want to work 40 hours a week. There are folks who want to give every other weekend. I mean – you know, in healthcare, you're going to work every other weekend. That's mm-hmm. that you are going to work every every other weekend. That is healthcare. But if you don't understand that coming into this arena, that's certainly something that should be discussed. I call that one of the uglies. That should be discussed in your interview process. And just to go back to what Carl had said there earlier, we just don't take people because they sign up. We have a very rigorous um, interview process for our CNAs and I can share with you being totally transparent we have declined more than we have taken in because they are not a right fit they're just not a right fit and they're not a good fit for home care or for or hospital care so we just didn't take them and we 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 figured all that out in our communication our line of questioning and we actually have a little personality test psychology test that we give the young folks as well to kind of see where they're at so I okay, think so all this that is, is very important so, this, so the, let me draw. So, I'm going to tell you that as a company, we do we take the exact opposite approach, and I oh. want to discuss it because and but that's because we're we're coming from a completely different place. So, you don't have shifts that you need to fill. You have CNAs that you're looking to produce, and you want right. them to be the top of the line. Many of them are going to work in house for your home care company, and you want to groom who you can groom, and you have the so to speak, you have the luxury. I mean, you created the luxury for yourself. It's not because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but it's because you actually created an academy mm-hmm. to support your institution, which is phenomenal. But the, that being it, you know, be that as it may right now, that means that you have the luxury of being selective. When, I, when mm-hmm. we're working with our clients or even as an operator, if somebody has a pulse and they have a current CNA license and they're willing to work, you got the job. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. And especially, especially today, and I would say that they don't have a serious criminal record some states obviously have other checks and things that you have to do but if basically if it's legal for them to work and they're actually willing to work we're not going to say well their customer service needs some help um oversimplifying but i'm talking specifically today post-covid unemployment Mm -hmm. where some of them can make just as much money or more money doing nothing or working down the block or some of them have been through hell and back again through covid have been there the last moments when you know their residents were passing on you know suddenly without family there and they've they've really been through some really traumatic experiences and we understand what and the media has beaten us up as they continue to tell us how terrible our industry is i'm talking now specifically nursing homes so we understand why people don't want to work so we, we don't have that luxury of of weeding people out 
on your end, on your end, obviously you do. The, the real, the question, I guess, getting back to the question from the beginning of this conversation is, do the so you you know you have maybe five or ten or whatever it is you have you know CNAs right now they're yeah. going through your program, that's obviously not going to help very much even for if even if you fed all your CNAs that you produce throughout the year to one nursing home you, it wouldn't it wouldn't help for that one nursing home i mean it would help obviously tremendously it would sure. help but it wouldn't solve sure. wouldn't completely solve the problem no. so so let's talk about this and I, I know this is not this is a conversation cuz i know we discussed this beforehand this is not what you're currently doing but does it make sense at, you know what back up have, you have a home care company and you have a cna company which one came first the home care company came first, but as I saw home care changing about five years ago, I saw it becoming very, very serious. This was before COVID ever hit. Mm -hmm. And obviously the baby boomers, the generation, the statistics. And I'm thinking, you know what? I actually think one day, to be honest with you, that the the it's going to be required that CNAs deliver home care. I think that's where we're going down the road, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. So I saw this coming and I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do this because for me, it's more mission driven. Of course, it's a business, but it's more mission driven. So my name is on everybody that goes out the door. So I want to make sure that they are set up to succeed. Got it. So you, the short, in short, your CNA school was created to support the home care company. And yes. you've cre you've, you have the opportunity now to create, you know, to create the CNAs that you're looking for. So for nursing homes, even hospitals, any other institutions. So what? So uh, this is what I'm trying to figure out here. So uh, nursing homes would love to have their own CNA training programs. Many of them do. Mm -hmm. uh, we help some of our clients with CNA training programs, not with yeah. setting them up, but with staffing them with CNAs sure. that are interested in joining the programs. Sure. I guess the real question is, do these people exist or do they not exist? So on the one hand, I'm hearing currently today with all the challenges that we have, you are still running full programs. Yes. Are, are your programs any less full now than they were last year or the year before? Well, we're only a new program. We only started in 2021. So we're just now building our program up. But I think the question that you're asking is, is there an influx of students coming in to be students that want to be CNAs? And the answer is yes. But the other side of your question is, can I successfully staff everybody in this area from here? No, I can't because there just isn't this, the amount of people coming in. But to, to, to give a response to the demand that is required, what we do need to do is work together with all the nursing homes and the memory care facilities and have them potentially invest in some of the folks that they have there already and encourage them to come into the program. Mm -hmm. So they need to work with what they have and try and, and, and create a career path for them because maybe they didn't think about it. Maybe they have never communicated that they would want that sort of partnership with their workers. Okay, I'm thinking of the two different directions. Now let's start with your second point. If nursing homes were communicating better with their uh, employees, so before the CNAs that we worked so hard to get leave after two weeks or a month or two months because they got burnt out and now they're interested in working for Target down the block or whatever else they're interested in doing. So before they do that, if we had this conversation with them, um, about their career path. And we spoke to them and said, you know, before you run away, we really have your long-term interest in mind. Let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. Then that, you know, then that can make it, you know, that can, it can help tremendously for attention. But my, my other point is wh where do you find the CNAs that want to come to your school? And the reason why I'm asking that 
is because I want to know that if theoretically every nursing home company that has, let's say, 10 nursing homes in one state, let's say, if they set up a, a proper school like, like you have in their area, would they be able to solve all or some of their CNA staffing issues? They wouldn't because it all comes back to the, the, the interview questions that you would pose to the, the folks that are coming into here. Do they fully understand what they're getting themselves into? And, you know, something that you had mentioned there as well, like not every CNA is built or does he or she necessarily want to work with certain areas of the senior in their sickness. So that's something we need to kind of build out that maybe you have a CNA who's really good with people for bed bathing and, and that personal care, but maybe you have another CNA who's really good with maybe doing exercises and range of motion. Maybe we need to start looking at those types of specialized care within the CNA realm because not everybody wants to work in a nursing home with, the CNA, with, with a, a person who's dying or even in hospice. We just throw these CNAs out there because we've taught them in the program how to take care of it. But when you're doing it with a dying and actively dying person, it's a whole different situation. There's no manual for it. So I'm thinking that maybe the education piece, the communication piece, and maybe even an apprenticeship before they even come in to actually seeing what it's like for four or five weeks in a nursing home, that might be something that might bring more quality CNAs to the forefront, mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. Right. So the the problem is that for most operators, the challenge is not qual quality nurse, quality CNAs, obviously, is something we want. Right now, we want let's just say it the way it is. You want warm bodies to cover the shifts, right? I know as horrible as that sounds, you hate that. But the bottom line is if you have zero CNAs versus okay. a, a bad CNA and not a bad CNA, but a CNA that doesn't possess all the things that you're looking for, um, the residents are a thousand times better, infinitely better off with such an, unless sure. we have, you know, you know, if you have a, an abusive CNA or you have, you know, someone that's, uh, that's causing harm, obviously that person has no place in a healthcare setting. But if you have someone who's maybe just a little bit rough around the edges, meaning that they don't have the best customer service, and but at the end of the day, they're showing up to their shift and doing what they need to do. Right. Not great, but you know, look at the shortages that we have. No, but that if you have the shortages, then maybe in, approach that person and communicate with them and say, we see that you show up every single day on time. We'd like to invest in you. Would you potentially be interested in taking another course or some sort of another program to maybe give her those polishing skills or that little bit of finesse or professional whatever you're talking about or professionalism that mm -hmm. can be worked out but nobody's approaching that subject they're not and producing warm bodies to be honest is that working for everybody it's not because that's why they leave they leave because they, they don't feel they're getting that respect and there isn't that communication they're just told that's what you need to do and away you go and do it and can you show up at eight o'clock it's, there's so many things that are broken here in this system. It's almost like the hamster on the wheel. And the wheel keeps turning, but nobody's getting off. Well, they are getting off now because they're burnt out. Why are they burnt out? We need to go back to the root cause. And that is the very first step. How do we change what's happening? Here? There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. And, and you, talked about, you talked about the interview process. I mean, Again, if they don't know what their end result is, then then where do you start? They have to have some sort of goal and vision. And, and, mm -hmm. and we as educators and, and operators have to be able to mentor them. The mentor piece is huge. We want to mentor them to stay and we don't want them to leave. Not after we've invested 
invested in them. I, I listened to all your podcasts last weekend and, and everybody's pulling their hair out with the same issue because we spend so much money in recruiting. But if we're just recruiting warm bodies, then we're the hamsters on the wheels because we need to dig deeper to see where does this person want to go and we're going to help them to, go, to, to, to take this career path if that's the path they want to be on. I think it's really important. And I, I thought... Just to finish on one point, what was really interesting in all of the people that you had on on all the shows over the last couple of months, you know, how come the CNAs are not at these big board meetings? How come they're not on the advisory boards? How come they're not part of those financial meetings where everybody's going nuts because we know they're not making profits and the turnover is killing them? These are the people who do all this work and they are your best friend. And to have them potentially involved and have an opinion in what's going on maybe they might educate the people who are hiring them as to absolutely what needs to change. i cannot agree with that point mm -hmm. more i am currently in talks with several cnas in nursing homes to get them on the podcast because i would like to have a conversation with them yeah. i'll tell you like you know from the copy meetings the quality assurance performance improvement meetings that we have in the nursing homes the, i think the quarterlies you're you have to have a cna there maybe it varies state by state Right. But we used to always tr make sure to have a CNA present, even if they didn't have to be present. Sure. Not for the whole meeting, maybe because they're busy. Of but their their input is the most valuable because mm -hmm. a lot of times we could sit there on our in the, you know with your armchair analysis and maybe this, maybe that, maybe the other thing. Why did this person fall? And uh, looking at statistics and graphs and those things definitely have a place. But then a CNA will point out, oh, yeah, well, you know, her shoes are loose and she trips on them. It had nothing, you know, right. something completely, which right. is the truth many times. Yeah. It completely, completely changes the whole picture. And I so, think a lot of it is, like you said, that the, the, the training is great, but it needs to be more. You know, it, it needs to be more. There's, there's all sorts of other skill sets that need to be put into the program because you can't just cater to somebody out of skill sets in a book. There has to be more hands-on care given and i know the clinicals are great but certainly for the dementia piece we, we have a lot of work to do yeah yeah and i'm just you know you described the hamster wheel i've been in the nursing home industry now for quite a number of years and it feels like it's always every single day the hamster wheel it's never calm and this uh -huh. is pre-covid this is even when things were not as challenging as they are right now it feels like it's always been this way and it is <laughs> it, it is quite challenging but one thing I will say is that those who take the time to stop yes. and, and take some of the time, money, resources that we're spending on recruitment, on staffing, on retention, and pay uh, attention to what our seniors are saying. And even if we don't sit down with all of them, sit down with the ones that you think sure. will be the most open and transparent with you right. and say that would charting out a career path matter to you? What yep. type of things would you want? And you know what? Instead of wasting money on hiring new staff and we have a turnover weight, turnover rate, you know, I think the numbers are $2,500 per employee or $3,500 per employee, which is a fortune, which is going into the garbage. Let's give that back to our current CNAs and put them either right. into a program, put them whatever, let them chart their own careers, maybe with some of our guidance based on our experience. Right. And and reinvest in them. And why wouldn't they want to stay at that point? Yeah. I mean, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. I know for me, I'll only do it twice and then I'll stop painful as it is. And I'm like, OK, this isn't working. So we need to figure out why. And then you got to auto correct. And yes, it's painful. 
it's not very cost effective, but at least when you're putting those processes in place, I mean, if I was a CNA in a nursing home and somebody came up to me and said, you know, I see great potential in you, would you be interested in doing one or two of these courses that we're going to be offering? Who wouldn't jump at that? I know I would, that, that somebody sees me, right? We all have that sign on our back that says, make me feel special. You know, that would be great. Or even, even potentially creating a CNA position as a lead CNA or whatever title you would want to give him or her. And she's the one who'll be able to tell you somebody's not happy or there's this lady's thinking of jumping ship. And then you can interject before that happens. So she'd be, she'd be one of them, but she'd kind of be over them, but she'd also be with you as well. I think that would be a fabulous position to create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as you know, they're the ones that are doing everything on the ground level. They're doing really, really hard work. And they will be able to tell you where you can improve and implement something new for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is much easier than, than actually sitting down and doing, you know, uh, charting out career paths. But that's something that probably any operator can do today. Uh, I just see that we've gone way past the time that we're going because just this is a really timely topic and you're a great person to talk about this. So I really appreciate everything that you've shared here. If our listeners or our viewers want to learn more about you, about the Healthcare Academy or about your home care company, uh, where's the best place to send them? And if they want to reach out to you, where's the best place for them to go? So I have two websites for the Ashland Care Academy. For the school, it is ashlandcareacademy.com. And for the home care, it is ashlandcompanionhomecare.com. Get all that information on both websites. Got it. Okay, so we'll, we'll link up to both of those websites in the show notes so that if people want to learn more about you and your company, if they want to be in touch with you about setting up training programs or maybe hiring your CNAs, they'll be able to learn about that. Any final thoughts? particularly focused on the struggling nursing home operator who cannot get their CNAs, you know, besides what we spoke about, anything else you want to share before we let you go? I guess what I would say is just invest in your people because without a strong foundation, the building is rocky and the foundation of all of these buildings and hospitals is our CNAs. So that's where I would focus most of my resources and that's where I'd be focusing most of my money. Amazing. Amazing. This is so true. The CNAs, you know, are, they are the care. They are the ones who provide the care, which is which is the product. You know, if a nursing yes. home is a service, the product mm-hmm. is the care and the care is delivered by the CNAs more than anybody else. So that is 100 percent true. Thank you so much, Ashling, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today and uh, really sharing some of your experience and some really actionable and pra- practical information with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Been a pleasure. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.